Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have my friend Eviana Bynum joining us. Eviana is a business manager and system strategist who helps business owners boost focus by getting them organized, creating systems, and providing support. She has worked with businesses across the board on unique and strategic marketing and operational projects. She's helped companies achieve their strategic visions and create effective systems to help them focus on the growth of the business. She's passionate about helping entrepreneurs transform the way they parent live and work and regain their sanity via simple fail-safe systems and strategies. She does that through personalized support and online courses. I love Eviana, y'all. I am so thankful to have her on this podcast, and I found this to be one of the most moving conversations we've had thus far. I think she's real. I think she's honest and raw, and I just love any conversation I have with Eviana. I find her to be one of the most encouraging friends I have, and she totally keeps me sane in this entrepreneurial journey. I know that I can always lean on her for a good dose of encouragement or some truth bombs, and I know that she's going to bring the same for you in this episode. So let's get to it. Hey, and if you love this episode, why don't you screenshot it and tag Eviana and I on Instagram? We want to know what you love about it, and we want you to spread the words with your friends as well. We want to get this message into as many ears as possible. So without further ado, I can't wait to introduce you guys to Eviana Bynum. Hey, Eviana. Hi. <laughs> I am so excited to have you on the Radiant Podcast. We have been friends for a little over a year now, and I should have had you on a year ago. We were fast friends and soul sisters when we got paired up at our retreat together, and I am just so thankful for that fateful retreat. Thank you and some more love. Seriously. (laughs) For bringing us together. I would love for you to start by sharing your story, who you are, what you do, how you've gotten to where you are. Oh my goodness. There's so many facets to it, um, but I will do my best. And I'm sure you'll pull out of me the things that um, you feel like need to be heard because you know so much about me. And I'm just so grateful for you in my life. And yeah, ever since the day we met, it's been like, boom, like we've just been friends since and it's just been awesome so how did we live in the same state I know until the end I know I don't even know how it all began like I don't even know like what our first conversation was but I know that it was awesome I think we like trying to split a room in LA to keep both of our costs down at a retreat (laughs) and trying to get together before then but just being five hours apart in Colorado and then picking you up in that rental car at the LA airport and immediately knowing in our first car ride, this is my kind of girl. Why have we not been friends already? I know. And I mean, prior to that for years, I seriously feel like I'd been praying like, God, please bring me someone that I just like, I can meet at eye level. Like we can just totally get each other. And I feel like it's been that way from the beginning because you're just so awesome. I'm so thankful. You're so awesome. So tell everyone about how awesome you are. How uncomfortable are you now? I'm sure. But please tell everyone about you because they're going to love you as much as I do. 
Okay, so, well, I guess I'll start from the end. Um, and I will just tell everyone that right now I live in Puerto Rico. It's almost been a year since we moved out here. And leading up to this move and just living on this island, I, I can never stop but like say like I live on in Puerto Rico, this island surrounded by water, big water. <laughs> But um, I'm sure somebody will get that one, someone out there. But And I'll tell you later, Kelsey. <laughs> okay. But anyways, it's just been crazy living here for a year and how we got here. And prior to moving here, um, I grew up, I was born in New York. And it just was me and my mom from when I was little. And we moved to Connecticut when I was about, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And I grew up in Connecticut and I'm really fast forwarding and kind of giving you bits and pieces, but my childhood was pretty rough. Um, you know, my parents had a rough marriage. My dad had a lot of issues and um, with alcoholism and, and, you know, drug abuse and things like that. And well, when I, when I got into high school, I was in a couple of pretty bad relationships. And then I went into college and I was, you know, kind of still dealing with the same things. And I feel like when things really started to change for me were the summer before my junior year of college, I feel like my life just started to make a complete turn, um, like a complete 180. And it was because one of my best friends, she got into this horrible car accident. Her car basically wrapped around a pole and, um, she was in a coma. She was flatlining. I was in the hospital and I was like, God, if you're real, bring her back right now. And within seconds, the doctors came out and they're like, she's back. She's good. You know? And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know? And I promised from that moment on that I would rededicate my life and, just change things up. And so prior to that growing up, I grew up in the church. I grew up, um, my mom, she did her very best, bless her heart, raising me despite what we were going through at home behind closed doors. But, you know, in high school, I got to that rebellious stage where I was like, please, you know, life shouldn't be this hard, you know? So at that time in college, I just kind of made a turn. And I just knew at that point that I wanted to be someone who really helped women. I wanted to, you know, it sounds so like traditionally cheesy to say that, but I really, really wanted to impact women's lives because if I had gotten through what I'd gotten through um, and I could see the other side little by little, I wasn't quite there yet, but I, I was confident that it was possible for other people. And I was determined to not be a statistic. I wouldn't be a divorcee. I wouldn't be any of the things that I, I grew up in. And that's when things kind of started changing up. And fast forward, uh, I started dating my husband. And this was after I'd finished my undergrad. And within, I don't know, less than maybe a year and a half, we were engaged to be married. We got married. And in that first year of marriage, we moved to Colorado. And um, I mean, soon thereafter, I became a mom. And all that time, I was kind of on a journey just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, how I was going to do the things that I set out to do. Because obviously, life kind of 
twists and turns you in unexpected ways, <laughs> but I'm so thankful. And so, yeah, so when I became a mom, I kind of, I, I usually say that I kind of like fumbled into entrepreneurship, but I really didn't. I mean, I went to school for business and I got my master's in business, but you know, I really thought that I would be in corporate. I would, I thought I would be in corporate America somehow, but I obviously it didn't work out that way. Um, and when my son was born, he was born premature. My direction was changed because I no longer wanted to be working like a corporate job and I wanted to be home with him. So I was like, okay, I want to start my own business. But at that time, it was my expensive hobby of photography. So I became a photographer. And I mean, the rest from there, it's like a whole nother story in itself. Do you want me to continue? Oh, I feel like I'm just I like have rambling. so <laughs> many questions already. So before you okay. go on, you know, I want to hear more. And I know I want our listeners to hear more as well, because I think your story is incredible. And I feel like, A, you are one of the most faith-filled people I know, but one thing you mentioned earlier was that you were determined to not be a statistic, mm. but you were given these circumstances or born into circumstances that were not ideal. And I, I say that with no shade. I too, mm. you know, experienced some trauma in my childhood. Oh yeah. So oh, I get yeah. it. Talked um, about it. Mm -hmm. But how do you choose to not be a statistic when you've grown up with an idea of what life looks like and decide you want something totally different? How do you reshape your idea of what's possible for your life? I think that it all starts with a decision. And I mean, these decisions that we make could either make us or break us because a lot of people, I mean, I've, I had tons of decisions that I had to kind of change up um, that weren't serving me, like the decision of I'll never trust a man again. Well, that hurt me in my first three years of marriage because I wasn't choosing to trust my husband. But as far as like not being a statistic and as far as wanting to make a change for my, like my legacy, that it started with a decision. And from there, I would say that, um, the, the huge part about it that I would say has gotten me this far is just choosing to be self-aware and always being, um, open to seeing what is wrong with, like, what's wrong with this picture? You know, I've always been a truth seeker and I've always wanted to get down to the bottom of things. And I don't know if it has to do with my Enneagram <laughs> I was thinking, type. Hello, Enneagram sit. Uh-huh. Yep. So I'm sure you've talked to people about Enneagram and I'm a six. Um, with a strong five wing. So it obviously means that I really love to do my research. And I would say that that has been big in my life. But as far as staying true to what I wanted to do with my life, it's had a lot to do with uh, seeing myself, um, not as like, it is what it is. This is who I am. Deal with it. Um, as some of us may say, but really saying like, okay, this is an issue. It keeps coming up. I need to do something about this. And I believe that I've always been that way. You know, sometimes it served me. I mean, sometimes it didn't serve me, but most of the time it has served me at least in my adult life. Cause obviously when I was a teenager and I was rebelling, um, I was like, oh, this obviously hurts, but I'm just going to keep on making these decisions, even though they're bad. <laughs> So I learned my lessons the hard way. Hey, I think we, I think we all learned a few <laughs> lessons like that. Um, you, you seem to have turned out pretty well. So yeah, <laughs> I'm glad they're I under your so. belt. So, you know, another thing you mentioned was when you had your son, 
it all changed with your passions and how you wanted to pursue your career. And you are insanely entrepreneurial. You have had, you know, multiple businesses at this point that have been successful by the time you're in your early 30s. Now, one conversation I was having actually with a guy who is a CEO of a company, has a ton of pressure on his shoulders, and he said, and I've heard him talk about this before, and I actually was like, wow, I'd love to hear what they say. And he was talking recently about the pressure of, I don't want to martyr my family at the expense of my startup. And as I've asked around to other males who are CEOs of companies, it seems like they all did. And they have regret about it, but now they're in their 50s and reformatting how they do life and business with their family. But how do you do this from your 20s? And I've heard him talk about that. And I was like, man, that's a good question. I don't know. And then last time he was talking, I was like, wait a second. This is a conversation women have been having to have for quite a while. You know, I'm so glad to hear that he might be a voice for men of how do we balance pursuing a career that we're insanely passionate about and that demands a lot of us and being a good parent. But since women have entered the workforce, we have had to navigate that exact question because we haven't really had the option to not be a present mother while pursuing a career. So I would love to hear you talk about that because that just came came to me as he was talking and I was like, you know what, you might enjoy listening to some women talk about this because they've been having this conversation for quite a while. Yes. It made me think of a movie and I don't know what movie it was and it's not Bad Moms. It was, I don't know what movie it was, but it was, oh, it's going to come to me later. But anyways, yeah, I would say that men are definitely more supported in just like focusing on their work and, um, I mean, that's even a whole conversation in itself, but as far as women go, it's like by default, we have to focus on our, on our kids and we have to, like, they need us. And, um, the ones who, you know, don't do that because of pressures at work or whatever it may be, um, it, they end up suffering themselves because, you know, it's like this need to be maternal that we all have. Um, but also their kids suffer like those men that are in their fifties now, you know, wanting to pick up the pieces, a lot of the damage has been done. So it's going to take a while to, to turn things around. And for me, when I was in my undergrad, uh, I changed my major a couple of times. You know, when I originally, when I first went to college, my major was English. Like I wanted to be a writer, which is funny how things come full circle because now I'm writing my book. But, um, then I changed it to elementary education because I was like, okay, well, my mom's a teacher. Maybe I should be a teacher. And then when I got into, you know, my whole pivotal life changing, um, time, like in my junior year, I changed it to pre-law. I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to be a civil rights attorney and I'm going to be a women's, um, like defense attorney. And I was going to advocate for women who've been abused and all these things. And, straight up, like I had already made so many mistakes in my first two years of college that by the time I graduated, even though my, the last two years of college, I literally got straight A's. No law school wanted me. And then I bombed the LSAT a couple of times, which is really embarrassing to to say, but, um, I'm so thankful now. And, um, it's, it's funny. I'll tell you in a second how things come full circle, but 
I'm so thankful that that didn't work out because I would have been miserable if I was a lawyer. <laughs> and I've actually had clients when I was doing photography full time that were lawyers and there and I told them and they were like, oh, girl, please. No, no, you're good. Trust me. <laughs> you know, like doing newborn sessions with an attorney and they're like, I can't be with my baby, you know, and I, I, I ha- I've been able to be with my babies from the start. And the decision to stay home with my, with my son, uh, it didn't come easily, but because he was born early and we were dealing with a lot of medical issues with him, but I do, I do not regret it. And, um, just before we got on the phone on the recording, I had told you that saying that in Spanish, it's Dios aprieta pero no ahoga, and it means God squeezes you, but he doesn't make you drown. And I think that's like the story of my life. Like, yeah, I've been squeezed many times and things get rough, but I've never drowned. Like I've never been in a situation where it was like, that's it, it's over. And, you know, like, you know, like, like God always provides and always comes through, not always when we want him to, but it's always on time and always in perfect way, you know? So I don't even know where I was going with this, but um, just recently I was signing on a new client and she's an attorney and I mean, it's for a whole different kind of service now cause I'm not doing photography full time anymore. But, um, I, t- I told her my story and she's, I think she's like in her late fifties and she's like, Eviana, you should be so thankful that you did not become a lawyer. She's like, you should be so thankful And I mean, everybody's story is different. I mean, someone who's listening right now could be a a lawyer and, and it works great for them. Yeah. But for me, like it wouldn't have worked for me and my lifestyle and the things that I want to do. So all this to say that life takes you down a crazy path that at first it hurts. Like I remember when I, like the first time I went in to take the LSAT, I got pink eye, which was like the worst. One of my eyes was like closed shut and I couldn't, I was like struggling through the test. And then the second time, I don't even remember what happened, but I basically bombed it. It doesn't even matter. And I'm like, why? Like, I'm doing so good on my practice tests. I'm doing awesome. And then I go and take this test. Like, God, I don't understand. And then my advisor's like, well, you need to go get your master's. And then, you know, you'll be more marketable to a law school. And now I understand why it all happened. And, and it, it's awesome. But it took years, you know, and just a lot of things in my life right now are really falling into place. And I'm like, oh, this feels right. This is finally making sense. But it took years to get here. And I don't want to say that to sound depressing or discouraging um, because I'm really thankful. Because if I got the things that I truly wanted when I wanted them, I wouldn't have been prepared for them. And I wouldn't have stewarded them the way that I, that I should have, or I would want to. So girl, you're coming to preach today. That is Mm. good. So yeah. So something you said, you know, kind of not just laying down dreams, but feeling like dreams were taken from you. You know, you wanted to be an attorney. Mm. It's disappointing when things don't work out. And sometimes things don't work out by our choice. You know, it's not that we just laid it down and trusted God. It's like it didn't work out and that's it. And that feels Mm -hmm. so like such a bummer, you know, it it feels so, yeah, defeating. 
So can you kind of expand on that a little more of like, how do you have hope when it is that discouraging? And now like hindsight's 2020, you're like, I was not meant to be an attorney. I would not be living my best life or my happiest life. And other doors have opened that could have never opened had you, you know, taken that route. Um, or maybe they would open, but just later, you know, but how, how do you navigate that disappointment and how to, how do you stay open and open-handed for what God might have for you next after that disappointment? Hmm, good question. Well, immediately a scripture comes to mind and it's like one of my life scriptures and it's all, all things work together for good for those that love God. And I stand true to that. Like when things are just going rough, I'm like, all things will work together. When, when I'm being redirected, I'm like, I know this is going to work together for good and it's going to be something better. And it truly is always that way. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you have examples, but don't you think that every single time that something's been, you know, redirected or pivoted or whatever, it's worked out to be something that you liked so much better than what you originally thought. (laughs) And I would say that I would say that's true for me. And that's what I stick to always. And one thing that I've always done is when I get blessings, when I go through a hard time and then breakthrough happens or a miracle happens or God comes through, I write it down in my journal and I keep track of it so that when I'm feeling really discouraged, I can go back and be like, oh yeah, God did come through that time. And God did come through that time. Just like Didn't you tell me yesterday, the day before that you had like this, um, one of those, like a Facebook memory and it was something like, you were like, Oh God provides or something. You're like, ha. I literally was panicking because, you know, I'm ordering $3,000 worth of journals from China and like, God, I hope these sell. Like this is not the best time to be spending an extra three grand and was really stressed when I kind of hit that transfer button of like, I just like, (laughs) don't, I can't breathe. And I, you know, really felt peace though. Like, I feel like I'm sure you can, you can understand the feeling I'm talking about when I say that feeling of knowing you have peace on making the right decision, but you're still like about to poop your pants because you're so stressed over it. And so it's like, you know, God's giving you a green light, but it still requires a ton of bravery. And Mm -hmm. I think that was one of those moments where I knew that I knew that I knew it was a God thing, but that I had to trust him financially because it wasn't the best time. You know, we had a college semester to pay for at the same, in kind of the same window and kind of was kind of thinking about skipping this Bible study, but was like, no, worship is probably the only thing that's going to soothe my soul at this point in time tonight. So I was on my way to church, got to church. There's a great worship set. And then I sit down and I was like opening up, I opened up my Facebook in the middle of the worship set because yes, I'm so holy. And a pop-up of, you know, those like six years ago today, my, my Facebook status six years ago that day was if you need a financial testimony, talk to this girl because this girl, (laughs) I could even hear my tone in the, in the, I'd gotten a job that day. Um, my, my first big girl job. So I wrote in my post oh my and I was just like, man, God, like you keep telling me it's going to be okay. And it doesn't mean like my fear goes away. And you know this well yeah. as an Enneagram six and I have a like hardcore six wing. And so mm-hmm. I, it doesn't mean the fear goes away, but Mm-mm. never knowing that God will come through and having like, you've been logging where he has come through in the past. I've been doing the same in my journaling with kind of that radiant journaling method and 
I, I've really been able to see hindsight's 2020. And when you build that capital and that history with God, you're able to trust that he'll come through even when it's freaking scary. Oh yeah. And it's always going to be scary too. I'm right now. I'm listening to the book daring greatly by Brene Brown. Um, and she was talking about a talk that she gave to, I don't know, like army men or something like that. And she's talking about vulnerability and she was talking about, has there ever been, is there ever a time when you are basically exercise? I'm sorry, Brene Brown, if I'm butchering this, but <laughs> in layman's terms, is there ever been a time that you're exercising courage in the absence of vulnerability? or fear. You know, when you're, when you are afraid, you feel vulnerable, but is there ever a time that you're being courageous, that you're not being vulnerable? So like that all goes to say that, you know, the fear is always going to come and the resistance is always going to come, but it doesn't mean that we're not able to be courageous and still carry out with the things that we're meant to do, um, and called to do. So yeah, I don't even know how I got into that. That but, is, yeah, but I should say it. That's a good word. And how have you, you know, like I think you just touched on it basically, but you know, as a as an Enneagram six, and again, for those of you kind of listening who might not be familiar with the Enneagram, I don't know how you've not heard of it at this point if you listen to anything Ooh, I talk about because <laughs> I'm a total weirdo and talk about it all the time. But a six for reference is sometimes called the loyalist, sometimes called the skeptic, but they're going to be measuring the security and safety of any situation. And can I trust this? And do, do you feel like I summed that up right? Oh yeah. And I mean, I do have to add that, um, in the Enneagram six deals, I believe deals with the most fear, Yeah, but it is said that they are actually the most courageous. Yes, because you have to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was so cool and encouraging for me because I'm such a skeptic and, you know, being a mom is like really hard for a six. <laughs> uh, we'll first. be talking. I'll have to be coming to you because, oh my gosh, I've, my mom has told me, you've been a hypochondriac since you were a child, Kelsey. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do with my children? I don't really think in terms of hypochondriac living anymore. You know, I don't think I'm sick all the time, but I I definitely did as a child and I am I can feel how prone I will be to freak out about every little thing and be so scared with a kid. But all that to say, all the all the funny things aside, how do you hold faith and fear in like simultaneously? Because that is hard. Um, and, and, and kind of like you said, takes a lot of courage. For me, <laughs> um, prayer, prayer, that's kind of the big thing. And earlier you said, um, something about like the way you feel, even when you're, it's like that peace that you feel, and I think it comes with time because uh, if I was able to tell you, you know, my whole story, but I dealt with a lot of anxiety and I was able to get through it with several different methods and, and just realizing where the trauma was and, uh, well, no, realizing that I had childhood trauma that I had to deal with and that was causing a lot of the fear now in my adulthood. But one of the biggest things has been prayer and just surrendering it to God. Like, for example... On Sunday, so I do the announcements at my church, and I'm like the announcement girl. 
Um, and it's a bilingual church because I, you know, I live in Puerto Rico and we had to find like the only bilingual church that we could find because my husband doesn't really speak Spanish. I'm the only one who's fluent. And I was, and there's a women's conference that's coming up. And I just felt like God was telling me that I had to speak on just on the comp- the competition issues that we deal with as women and the judgment that we deal with. And I knew that there was kind of something going on around the planning of the conference. And, and God was like, you need to speak on that. And I want you to do it during announcements. So of course I got like this adrenaline rush. My heart is pounding. I'm like the whole, the whole time, like during the sermon, I'm like super, like just nervous. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And so what did I do? I went right to my methods And I like immediately grounded myself. So what I do immediately is I ground myself. And what I say by that is I just, I basically do a visualization and I just do deep breathing. And I just imagine the Holy Spirit extending himself from heaven and just like going through my body and just filling me up. And then I just go into prayer and I'm just like, God, I'm really scared. Please just give me peace. I surrender this to you. And I just control my breathing and I just slow down my breathing as I go. And I just get into deep prayer. And I I kid you not, every single time, I always refer to it as like a strong tree, like an oak tree that's just like roots itself, it roots itself inside of me. And there's no other way that I can compare. There's nothing I can compare it to, but it's just this peace inside that even though my mind is telling me one thing, my heart and my body feels completely different. Um, and I don't, I honestly don't know how else to put it, but I can only accomplish that to through just saying like, God, I surrender this to you. And what I mean by that is like literally surrendering, like not saying, Hey God, I surrender it to you. It's like literally saying like literally doing it and saying, Oh my gosh, I am worthless without you. And right now I really need you. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you the outcome and I'm going to do what you want me to do. And I'm just going to let you take care of it. Yeah, I think I think what you just said is perfect. Surrender doesn't feel like sometimes it doesn't feel tangible, but what it really is is surrendering the outcome. Of, yeah. Okay, I'm laying this at your feet, whether it's what I want or not. I'm okay, mm-hmm. and trusting that you'll help me be okay. I just think that outcome piece is is really what surrender is: is letting go of what what you want to happen, but it's hard. It is really hard. Oh yeah. It's definitely like a muscle. I would say it's, it's definitely something that you have to practice and continue to do. And for me, it has been especially hard. Um, if you want to, if, I mean, I can refer it to my sickness or I can refer it to just being someone who's dealt with a lot of abandonment and a lot of trauma in my past that I had some major control issues, you know, that I had to work through throughout the years, you know, through my marriage and with being a mother that it's, there's just been so much surrender, but the more I surrender, I feel like the more peace there is in my life. You know, when I, when I finally, one day, one of my friends told me I was crying to her and I was just like, I can't deal with the fact that I'm always so afraid that something's going to happen to my babies. And she said, they came here alone. And she said, and they will leave this earth alone. And so did you. And she said to me, and all those things that you went through, look at you now. You don't think God took care of you? And I'm like, yeah, God did take care of me. And she's like, well, you don't think God's going to take care of your kids the same? And I was like, 
And then she, she gave me that scripture uh, that says perfect love casts out fear. And the way that she broke it down, I mean, I always heard it as like perfect love casts out fear, like, okay. And, but the way that she broke it down is like, like God loves us so much. His love is perfect. Our love is not perfect. Our love does not even compare to God's love. But his love is so perfect and so powerful that it is able to just completely eliminate fear. And and just knowing that God's in control of everything can completely eliminate fear. You know, it doesn't stop it from coming back. But just, you know, focusing and surrendering things to God is is just knowing that his perfect love is going to take care of you and carry you through and work things together for good always. Man. We are only halfway through your story and have had so much good conversation. Like I have really enjoyed like where this conversation has gone and it's been really encouraging to me. We always have encouraging conversations, but I'm so glad this peek into what we get to talk about daily together gets to be Mm -hmm. aired on the Radiant Podcast. So, you know, you have your kiddos, you raise Mm -hmm. them in Grand Junction. And yeah. then you're, you're working as a photographer. You've built out a pretty significant business doing oh, yeah. architectural photography and then a change happened. So tell us about like, what was the catalyst for you guys moving last year? Oh my gosh. Whew. Where do I begin? So when we first moved to Colorado, when we first moved to Colorado, yeah, we, my husband and I went to Puerto Rico briefly, like for like a four day weekend when we first got married, like we were probably like married for a couple months and we we're like, Oh, let's do a late honeymoon and just go to Puerto Rico for the weekend. And it wasn't much of a trip. It was literally just going to visit family and seeing a few little things, going to a couple beaches. It was super quick. And we always talked about moving to Puerto Rico. And I think this could refer to God's timing as well, but we tried to move to Puerto Rico one time and the door was shut. I don't even know how, but um, within a couple of years of buying our house in Colorado, uh, we tried to sell it and it just was not selling. And we just felt like God was like, okay, you need to take it off the market. And we were just kind of doing things out of scarcity and just doing things because we're like, oh, this sounds like a good idea. Let's just do this. And obviously that usually doesn't work out very well. So in the fall of 2016, my husband and I have this like this journaling practice that might seem kind of crazy guys, but God speaks to everyone in a different way. And the way that we journal, we basically, we just listen to what God's trying to tell us and we write it down. We go into like deep prayer and it's just this whole extensive thing. It's actually not as complicated as yeah, I'm putting it, it right sound now. Yeah, it too crazy. But um, it's just like we go into the, we go into prayer and we just, um, I, it was taught to me by, there was this ministry that I um, was a part of in Colorado. It was called Wake Up Ministries. It's pretty awesome, actually. One of the women, I was going through a hard time and she was like, I encourage you to just go into prayer and just sit down with your journal and consecrate your pen to the Holy Spirit Um, just block your mind from the enemy, just claim the blood of Christ over your mind. This may sound like too intense for some of our our Christian listeners too. I mean, I don't know. It's like (laughs) I'm being all Pentecostal on y'all or something. (laughs) I promise I'm not like crazy, but, um, it was, it's just this method that I started just doing every once in a while when I was just feeling super lost. I encourage anybody to do it, but you really have to just kind of quiet your mind and just trust that God is speaking to you. And anyways, 
that fall, we were just going in, I don't know, maybe one of our feast or famine phases, but we, um, we just really felt like God was telling us it was time to move and, and sell our house. And so we had to go through this like major getting rid of tons of stuff. So we, when we moved to Colorado, we got this house, which was a foreclosure and it was a 4,200 square foot house, beautiful in a cul-de-sac, huge house for half the price that it was worth. And like dream house. And we didn't, we went in there with nothing. And let me tell you, we filled that house. We filled it with furniture. Every room had a bed. Like it was just like completely furnished. It was beautiful. My husband and I really like to, um, you know, do kind of fixer upper. Like we, we're totally like Chip and Joanna, like aspiring to be them, but (laughs) we, we redid this whole house. And so now we came to time to get the house ready to sell. So we had to do a lot of like minimalizing it. When you're selling your house, you have to like take all your pictures down and like fix every little nick that's messed up and all the things. And we listed our house in, I believe it was, I don't know, the following. Oh, we listed it in March of 2017, right? So we have it listed And through that time, like, I don't even remember the things that were happening, but I feel like God made us wait. Like he was just preparing us because we just kept getting rid of more and more things. We were just like getting rid of everything, like minimalizing our life in so many ways. Um, At one point we gave away one of our cars, like just completely gave it away, which is cool because things come full circle. And I had someone gift me a car in Puerto Rico. I was about to say, we got to talk about that. Yeah. And um, so that was like one of the cool miracles that happened. Um, But in this waiting period, we finally had a buyer and it was in it. the buyer came like in the mid summertime and Um, long story short, when it came time for the closing that we were like two days before the closing date and the, my realtor calls me and she's like, Oh, we have to push the closing out because there's a document missing from the buyer. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like we've been under contract for a few months now. Why is this happening? (laughs) Like, it just is like, I'm so sick of waiting. And she's like, yeah, we need to push the closing date. So they ended up pushing the closing date. By this time, we were going to ship all of our stuff in a shipping container to Puerto Rico. And we had it all scheduled. Everything was ready to go. And the closing date gets pushed. And at the same time, in a few weeks, my brother, I have a half brother, and he was getting married in New York. So our plan was we were going to drive, we're going to ship our stuff, we're going to drive to New York, ship our cars from New York, and then our, our car from New York, and we were going to fly out from New York to Puerto Rico, and that was going to be our official move. Well, my brother's wedding was on September 18th, I believe, was the Saturday, and when, so I'm not even going to tell you, this is, I'm going to leave you guys on a cliffhanger here, but <laughs> we ended up. We pushed the closing, and so when the closing gets pushed, we're like, oh, man. So we had to stop the shipping container. We halted everything. We're like, you know what? We will do the closing. Um, My mom had bought a house in Colorado, and we were like, we'll do the closing. 
we'll, um, we'll have a container dropped off at my mom's and, you know, we'll do that and we'll just ship our stuff later on after the wedding. So we'll fly to the wedding and then we'll come back and do the move. I am so thankful for that little minor silly piece of paper that was missing because we fly to New York, we do the wedding and what happens that following Monday? Hurricane Maria. I'm getting chills right now telling this story. I haven't told it in a long time, but could you imagine if things went as we planned? Oh my gosh, you would be stuck in a hotel for months. For months, our stuff would have been, I don't know, lost at sea. I don't know. We ended up flying out to the wedding. We flew back to Colorado and we had to live there for six more months. And I'm so grateful because my mom had bought a house there that she was just going to rent out. So we were able to live in her house and just pay her mortgage and wait it out. And that's what we did. And it was rough and it stunk so bad because we'd been waiting and waiting and waiting. We're like on a year now of waiting. And oh my gosh, I do have so many stories, don't I? And (laughs) And so during this waiting period, my husband and I are like, should we just not move to Puerto Rico? Like, should we just like, we're still in Colorado. We have somewhere to live. We could just pay my mom's mortgage and we're good. I have a very well-established business. I was, my photography, I was doing photography for like, um, I had some big construction companies that were my clients. I was making very good money. I was, I was, you know, I had a reputable business. I didn't have to start over and I had made a friend, um, in Puerto Rico through like a Facebook group, like when I was looking for the homeschooling community, cause I, I was, I had, (laughs) that was another thing that I was just being obedient, like with homeschooling my kids, another thing that I was like, I will never do. And now I'm here doing it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, um, so I, I reach out to her and I was, and she periodically would reach out to me and I was like, girl, I'm just feeling really discouraged. And I just think that I don't know if I want to move to Puerto Rico. And she said, didn't you say that God told you to move to Puerto Rico? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, so do you want to be like Jonah? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) That's a hard no. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, okay, all right then. Like she gave it to me hard and straight, but I was like, okay, I get it. And so within a couple of weeks, we were like um, booking our container again. We got everything and we ended up saving like a few thousand dollars on the move um, just from that weight because like we found a different option. We found better options. We also had to ship a Great Dane. Like we have a Great Dane. So that was like a whole feat in itself. But what was really cool about that is that after we moved, we were looking for a church and then we had found this one church and we went there for a few weeks and something happened that basically we were like, we need to find a new church. And we find this church and we go there. The first day that we go there, what do you think the pastor preached about? Jonah. Jonah. Okay. Cause I know you have a heart for the message for forgiveness, which we'll get to, but yeah, Jonah. But it was about Jonah and it was like speaking my, he was talking about basically like my story with my husband, like just like being obedient and being faithful to God. And oh my gosh, like it was just like, okay, this is our church. So yeah, that's how we ended up in Puerto Rico, and here we are, and it's been a whole nother year of, oh. like, crazy adventures. <laughs> yeah, and this year has required a lot of trust for you, right? Because you got there, 
with kind of not sure what's next. I mean, you left a very profitable photography business. I mean, for those of you listening, real estate photography or architectural photography is no joke. And so you left a very profitable career, a home, a life in Colorado where you had it all to kind of start over in Puerto Rico. And it's not been like, oh, I just landed in Puerto Rico and all my prayers were answered and life is easy now. I think we like always wait for breakthrough for life to just feel easier. What has this year been like for you and how have you seen God's hand in that? Oh my gosh. It's been a series of roller coasters, but not, it's just been, I've been learning so much about myself and I realized that by going back to the States. So I ended up going to New York in the fall and it was kind of a rough trip, but it made me realize what I left in a good way. And I was like, okay, I understand why my life feels so much better now that I live in Puerto Rico. My life is so much simpler and I'm not like caught up in the American dream anymore. And though things are a lot different here, like I live um, in a place where the, the, the pace is a lot slower. Technology is not intertwined in every government system. Like it is in the States, you know, in the States, you go to the DMV, you're in and out. Well, depending on where you live, but it's a lot more streamlined process. And here it's like prepare to spend the entire day just to, you know, register a vehicle. <laughs> and that's just how it is. And at first it was really painful for me. And now I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to bring a book. I'm going to bring some work to do. And this is just what it is. But, you know, I've, I've really seen God work in some really awesome ways because when God spoke to us about moving to Puerto Rico, he said that he had a ministry for my husband and I, um, that had to do with families, with young families. And a few months ago, our pastor came to us and he was like, Hey, I'm choosing some positions. And he sent, he's like, I'm going to be sending out letters. And it was for us to be in leadership in the couples ministry. And I was like, Oh, couples ministry. That's interesting. But when I read the description, it was helping families, supporting families. And I was like, Oh, like, okay, God. All right. I see you working. I see, you know, our purpose being fulfilled and it doesn't always look as glamorous as you, you know, as I, you know, as you expect things to be. But when you're living out in your purpose and like the things that, let me not say purpose, when you are being obedient and you're following the nudges that God is giving you, you start to see things kind of fall into place, but in a better way than what you would have expected to expected them to be. And, um, I could, I could definitely rewind now and go back into when I became a mom and when my son, Achaius was born early Um, he dealt with a lot of issues. He dealt with like a lot of respiratory issues and a lot of just issues. He was allergic to the casein protein. He was like really allergic to dairy basically. And it like, he would have an anaphylactic reaction. And unfortunately I learned that the hard way. And it was when I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter, I was still nursing and he was a year old now. And I was like, all right, well then I'll start giving him milk. And my little guy, like I almost lost him because every time I gave him milk, he was having a worse reaction. And the doctor was like, oh, just take him off a of dairy for two weeks and then reintroduce it. Well, when I reintroduced it, it was like, he was like completely swollen. It was like horrible, like horrible, horrible. And so I had a lot of issues with him since he was born. 
And so I kind of, I was really introduced to wellness and, and just starting to get into more natural products and, and things like that. And I was introduced to essential oils and, and helping him in that way. So that took me on a different route with what I, what I wanted to do with my life, with what I wanted. Like I had this blog and I would write these like really inspiring posts and I didn't know where I was going with this. Um, and it was through my own healing journey and like working with my kids on things that I realized what my purpose was and I'm still working on it and I'm still figuring it out. But I do know that, um, I have a really, really, a really big passion and a really big heart for forgiveness, like talking about the topic on forgiveness and talking about just parenting and how to parent from a place of just looking at yourself as a mirror to your kids. And, you know, a lot of us are, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that anybody's born into this perfect life. I don't think anybody is. And anybody who even is, is even born into this cookie cutter life. I still think that, that they have things that they have to deal with. I still think that there's like trauma and, and trauma, the word trauma sounds so like intense and it doesn't have to be that intense. It could be a simple thing. Like when you were a child, when you were in fourth grade, you went up to give a presentation and everybody laughed at you and you didn't know what to say. And now you're an adult and you don't like public speaking. It could be something that happened from something that simple that affects you as an adult. And I didn't know about any of that until I started to deal with my own stuff because I was like, when I had my son, obviously when you're dealing with a baby that has so many issues and you already are an anxious person, I dealt with childhood anxiety. And then as an adult, it was like tripled when I became a mom, like an Enneagram six mom who already deals with anxiety and has dealt with trauma. That is like a bad mix. So I started to really, um, I started to work with an anxiety coach and she started teaching me a lot about you know, about just, um, I guess I'm going to get a little woo woo here, but just like about our energy and the energy that we feel and just like how our body's makeup is and how different environments and different things affect us and how we can actually protect that. And we can just, you know, and for me, I translated it into putting on my armor. I translated it into just like having the Holy Spirit within me and knowing, you know, all the things that we learn in the Bible, like, you know, this war is not about, uh, is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and learning all those things and learning about myself and, and growing in those ways, I think molded and shaped what my, what I'm working on now and where I am at now in my life. Um, and that journey all started when I became a mom, I would say for sure, because now it wasn't just about me anymore and like numbing myself somehow. Now it was like, oh, I don't want my baby to go through this, that what I'm going through. I don't want them to turn out like me. A, you turned out amazing, but B, you don't <laughs> want them to have to suffer mm -hmm. like you have had to. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, obviously, I mean, we're going to be under construction for the rest of our lives. And I think if we stay in that mindset, then I think that's recipe for good rather than being like, oh, I've got it all figured out and I don't do anything wrong. And <laughs> no, you know, I don't do that. And I don't need that. Like, Wait, aren't those your favorite kind of people? No, <laughs> no, I want the ones who are like, man, like I really need to like, I really need to get better at this or I want to change this or, you know, not like beating yourself 
up either because I mean, my message is a lot on giving yourself grace. Um, but just being open to saying like, Hey, this isn't working as I said earlier, but this isn't working. Let's figure this out and let's do things differently. I am 100% with you. And man, Ileana, I have loved your, your willingness to share your story today. This is one of my favorite interviews I've ever had. I'm so glad that people got to have a little window into our conversations. Where can people find you? You are in the process of writing a book. You have programs. Mm -hmm. You have opportunities to work with you. What's next for you in the year ahead? Because I feel like you have weathered it and you have really like fought the good fight and played the long game. You have not like given up, you know? even when it's really hard or really scary, which we both, you know, know the, mm-hmm. that feeling of fear well, it feels like it's a season, a season of expansion and breakthrough mm-hmm. and hope and excitement for you. What is next and where can people follow along? So you can find me at evianabynum.com and I'm sure you will type it out somewhere because spelling my name is probably not going to be the easiest. But um, right now I'm working on my book and it, the first book that I have a few books that I um, have been working on. But the one that I'm really focusing on right now is going to be on parenting. And it's it's really on that topic of just seeing yourself as a mirror and seeing yourself as a leader to your children and working through your issues and just being that role model for your kid. So that'll be out in the next few months, probably by the time this podcast Ooh, goes girl. live. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm declaring it. Yeah, I'm declaring I'm it. <laughs> And yeah, if you want to work with me and you want to work with um, me on those issues that you know may have to do with childhood trauma, um, if it is an issue, it probably does have to do with some kind of childhood trauma or mindset issue that you are dealing with, then you can come see me. We can schedule a discovery call and I'll tell you more about what I do and my method and we can see if we can work together. So that's another way. And just find me on Instagram under my name, Eviana Bynum. Everything is under my name. <laughs> I am so thankful you came on. We'll have to have you back on to tell us all things book release when it is out into the world. So I love Woo! you. I am so thankful to have you on today. I love you too, girl. Thank you for having me. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Duncan is here to keep you running with a much needed taste of normal to work, home or work from home with the coffee you like just the way you like it. Whether that's a small hot black coffee, your daily 2 p.m. latte, or a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant and a medium iced coffee with oat milk, one sugar, two pumps of caramel, one pump hazelnut, a swirl of French vanilla, and a shot of espresso. I call it my p.m. pep rally. You should really try it. Whatever it is that gets you running, Dunkin's got you and always will. America runs on Dunkin'.
The final countdown has begun. Whatever you do, don't miss the end of year clearance this weekend at Levin's. Save up to 60% on closeout special buys and doorbusters. Plus, get an extra 15% off all sale merchandise and take up to 60 months to pay. Save 308 on our Wilmington Sofa Chase. Now 891 with extra discounts. Plus, get the 100th anniversary hybrid mattress. Now only 398. The final countdown. Now at Levin Furniture and Mattress.